Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Era News. I'm Rich Fay and I am joined once again by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello. And by Scott McTominay himself, Charlotte Dunker. Hello. It's nice to have you back on the podcast, both of you. Thanks for um, having us. It wasn't the win against Burnley early in the week, Samuel. It seems a while ago now, the Tuesday night game at Old Trafford, but the unbeaten run continues under Solskjaer. I guess it depends how you want to look at it. Um, United are still unbeaten under him, but it was a more dogged approach from United and uh, it looked like his team selection backfired. And, and predictably so. Uh, there's, there's only so long you can get away by heavily rotating teams. He completely justified it at Arsenal, whereby Sanchez Lukaku in particular came in and, and were very good. Uh, but you got the impression that they worked quite hard on the tactical side of that. And you know, with Arsenal as well, United have, have done them on counter-attack so many times. It's, it's as if they could even have Bebe on a counter-attack and they'd, they'd score against them. Uh, whereas with Burnley, it's, it's a different set up Burnley very you know compact dogged as you said I just thought that there was an element of complacency bringing Pereira in um, he's he's a very tidy footballer he's, 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 he's very skillful at times I just don't think the Premier League pace is is, is suit he's suited to that um I mean, he's, he's a great example of how meaningless pre-season matches are, given how well he did in pre-season. But he's not been overwhelmed by City and Liverpool. He's been overwhelmed by Brighton and Burnley now this season. Uh, I just don't think he's quite up to it for United. Uh, he's 23 now as well. He's still not... He's nowhere near regular. He's, you feel he's lucky to still get on the bench most weeks. So uh, I think he could have a very good career elsewhere, but the time I think has come for him to move on and just just moving Rashford I mean who'd have thought two months ago we'd be talking about how ineffective Rashford was coming from the left when he should have been playing up front uh, Lukaku and, and Sanchez and Ling, I think Lingard most of all made it tick at Arsenal but given the form Rashford's in it, it, I found that quite peculiar and it, it just seemed too diplomatic of Solskjaer I know that he's had the Midas touch recently but there's only so long you're going to have that. The only upside from it was that, of course, it was a great, um, you know, quite a stirring finale from United. I think because when they did make it 2-1, there was a sense that they could really, you know, equalise. And when they equalised, there was still that belief that they would go on and win it. Uh, I suppose it's, it's worth saying that United were 2-0 down against yeah. Burnley last season and got a 2-2 draw. And the, the biggest, the, the most glaring omission from the starting lineup was Lingard. Um, I mean, he's just indispensable at the moment. He really does make that. He's probably the least um, least talented of, of of the main attackers, but he's, he's arguably the most important because he just knits it together and he's so intelligent and intuitive with his movement. Uh, there's there's very little more you can say to rhapsodise about him. He's he's been exceptional I think under Solskjaer even in games when he's been you know as we were saying recently like 6 out of 10 performances but he just supplements it so well so that will be the learning curve for Solskjaer from the game in that I think 
the more you look at it, the, this squad, however well it's done recently, it's still very much a case of quantity over quality. They are going to need to reinforce in key areas in the summer. And there are certain players in that squad who just are not up to it. There just didn't seem any reason for him to rotate, I didn't think. They played on the Friday night and then it was Tuesday night and the next game Sunday. There's going to become a time where the games are going to be... Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday sort of thing. And you think, yeah, there's going to be fatigue in there. And there was a suggestion that Lingard had a bit of a niggle, but I just think he didn't say, Solskjaer didn't say that that was the reason why he was on the bench. He he just said, oh, there was, he needs to rotate. Some players are getting, he did say some players are getting a bit tired, I think. But yeah, I just thought, like someone said, interesting team selection from him. And and it sort of backfired. If he'd started with the team that he seemed to pick as his first 11 that we've seen in the Premier League I think they would have won convincingly yeah I think that Herrera's absence in the field stopped that sort of momentum wasn't I'm not sure the exact quote Samuel but a few weeks ago wasn't Solskjaer asked about rotation or something he said we don't need to worry about that or something I can't remember the exact quote but there was some sort of throwaway comment in which he said the the relevant one was last week um, a reporter kind of made the strange claim like the Burnley game was straight after Arsenal and he yeah. cut him off and he said it's not straight after it's four Got, days yeah, exactly. later which made it quite ironic that he then did a lot of changes at Arsenal and then a lot of changes at Burnley now of course tiredness is going to play a part I think if, if Lingard was actually injured then he wouldn't have been on the bench yeah. um, he, he should have come on a lot earlier as well in the game um, given, given you know, Sanchez got a goal I know, I know Lukaku got the two assists at Arsenal but you look at that attack when you saw Rashford Mata Lukaku it just looked a little bit too cumbersome uh, I was very surprised Mata stayed on the pitch he's, he's a very good footballer we, we're all very well aware of his merits but he's turning 31 soon pace has never been his forte uh, they're still trying to crowbar him in on the right hand side I know he's not playing as a right winger but there were certain games I think where you are justified in playing him I just didn't think Burnley was the one for him given that Burnley have had a bit of a resurgence recently Um, they look a lot you know a lot more well drilled under Dyche as well and it's just the, just the element that in the Premier League year at United have never done the double against them and I think this is three years on the trot now that, that Burnley have, have drawn at Old Trafford so as, as Solskjaer said it's a learning curve for him uh, I think it, I think if anything given the result uh, that Chelsea suffered he'll, he'll possibly be a bit more frustrated by it because that was a really big chance to, to close the gap on them yeah, sure. I guess I guess you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. If you're gonna maybe lose your momentum and lose your winning run to do it and still get a point against a side who haven't tasted defeat in five league games now, it maybe do you think there's maybe maybe a bit of an over exaggeration of people wanting to see Solskjaer maybe falter? I think as well the way the manner in which they fought back there's plenty you can see why they're remaining positive about it because it was seemed to be at the end it was one point gain rather than two points lost given that it was the 87th minute wasn't it the penalty yeah so 2-0 down in the 87th minute to come away with a point then and it's the vintage United thing the fighting back the sort of thing that fans love it's another thing to add on his CV isn't it like yeah. can you come back from 2-0 down yes tick okay they didn't win like but... Mourinho did against Newcastle yeah I'm not I'm not being negative against <laughs> I've, I've got to Mourinho. provide the context 
I mean, Marina did Jose's it. biggest fan to my right. I mean, Mourinho did it against Juventus away, so... Yeah. That's I, the point. That was, that's, that's the highlight of the season. I'd but like I mean, Sojo's come in, hasn't he, with nothing on... He's, yeah. he's got to add all these things to prove to Ed Woodward why he should get this job. And this is He's done, done another thing. It's, it's the manner of the way they fought back as well, rather than hoiking it to the big man. They, yeah. they did it in a pretty the constructive way. Well, exactly. We'll, we'll get onto that at yeah. a later point, but... I think for United supporters, it's, it's more stirring seeing them try and break down teams through a very, um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite high tempo, still trying to shift the ball from left to right, crosses coming in, but not just hoiking it into the area and hoping that Fellaini's going to um, come up with trumps again. And it's things like when the... Um when Lindelof scored his goal, he went and he grabbed, yeah, grabbed the ball and he like ran ran straight back to try and kick off again. John Moss didn't give the full five minutes of added time. I'm not suggesting that they would have scored in the last 15 seconds, but surely there should have been another minute added on for the goal that they scored in extra time. But yeah, it should have been an extra 30 say. seconds. Or so especially if there wasn't a celebration, like you said, from yeah. Lindelof. So I think that's that's another positive for fans to see players like that showing the passion, the United way, just want to get the third goal but disappointing in the we all said we all thought it'd be a walk in the park and it'd be another easy three points but pos- still positive to take from it yeah I guess one person they weren't complaining about the had on time was Sean Dyke after the game his comments were <laughs> controversial amongst United fans where Samuel he said that the, the there should have been five minutes added on he said when it's three minutes you sense okay maybe they could get something but he said that once the five minutes were up he sort of got this feeling around Old Trafford they knew they could get the comeback complete it was down to Burnley time wasting quite a large portion of those five minutes yeah I mean Dice is starting to get um, a reputation for being quite Contrary and patronising. Somebody actually asked him about the reception Sam Vokes got from Burnley fans at the end uh, and said, does that mean he's leaving? And Deitch was like, well, weren't they all getting it? And of course, Sam Vokes is about to leave Burnley now. Uh, I mean, some of my colleagues there said, I don't know where he got five minutes from as well. They thought it was excessive. I thought, given the amount of time wasting that went on, it was it was perfectly fair. I think with sub, I think the the unwritten rule if you like is that with substitutions it's kind of like 30 seconds per sub there must have been four or five I think United made two Burnley might have made three um, goals going in as well mm. taking into account those stoppages and then the general time wasting I think five was probably the minimum uh, that was required again with I mean John Moss I think is, is consistently the worst referee in the Premier League but it's not just he who's at fault with this Referees should just book goalkeepers for time wasting in the first half, and then it's an immediate deterrent. Uh, it does go on in first halves. Uh, my, my, my dad was in attendance for the Burnley Boxing Day game last season. He's still seething about Nick Pope's uh, time wasting. So it's it's definitely the done thing at Burnley, but a lot of opposition teams do it. Uh, you do just feel as though if referees booked a goalkeeper in the first half, then it's the perfect deterrent and also the game's going to be more fluid the ball's going to be in play more um, I mean there was a point I think in the 90s Sky used to show how often the ball was actually in play over 90 mm. minutes and you were amazed just how how little, how little it was uh, so it's the fans who miss out on things like that but uh, I mean it's also gone under the radar that I think John Moss stopped a United attack as well at the end I think there's yeah, an he attempted did. He got pass in the way. and he got in the way yeah. um, he's, he's not the most nimble of referees shall we say 
Pretty my favourite thing about all that was um, the Liverpool fans uh, were crying about United's penalty. Oh yeah, there's a lot of saying, I mean, angry, saying but, oh, well. if this had been Salah, that he would have would have been all over Twitter about what a terrible human he is. But because it's Jesse Lingard, no one has anyone anything to say about it. There's there's possibly some element of truth to it. I think Salah's reputation is. He's built that reputation himself, though. He, he has. I don't think it's it's a difficult one because there's such a Liverpool have been the media darlings for, for so many years now that I don't think Salah gets as much of a rough ride as they think he does. I don't think it's anything like what Ronaldo used to get. But there is there does tend to be a divide if it's an English player who's gone to ground a little easily mm. then it's not going to get as much exposure the, the best example of that recently would be Vardy's dive I can't remember the opposition um, Leicester were playing but that was that was appalling and, and, he, and he didn't even get booked for it whereas I suppose with Salah because because he's a foreign player I think they do they are penalised uh, and he keeps a bit doing it often and, and there's, there's that on the top of the well. league <laughs> yeah, so, but, and they're I Liverpool. <laughs> I mean, Lingard probably, you know, he probably did exaggerate it a little bit. But when when Hendricks did what he did, he, he was asking for trouble. And Lingard, I'm struggling to remember him feigning agony before as well, like that. Yeah, but it's also interesting. I remember watching. I watched the FA Cup on Monday night, and there was a Barnet player who was criticised for not going down in the box when he was under pressure. So it's just a lose lose situation as, a, yeah. as an attacker I mean if United are there 2-0 two, two down and he gets contact but doesn't go down the box United fans might say oh good sportsmanship yeah. but it doesn't count for it if they lose their, the unbeaten run G- Gary Neville said they, there was a learning curve for him when he was in the youth team they went to a foreign tournament and they were making the, the continental fouls if you like I, there wasn't a lot of contact but the foreign players were going down very easily they were winning free kicks and Eric Harrison said well what do you expect he wasn't he, he had no problem with the referee doing it he said you've just got to adapt to those uh, those scenarios and there's there's an element of that as well I would imagine we shall see but he's still confident in Solskjaer Charlotte after, after that or do you think it was maybe a reality check a reality check for some United fans no I don't think the reality check's come yet we're, yet. we're still waiting for that one you're still waving um, riding the wave yeah I, I think if you need luck on your side and I'm not saying United didn't deserve a point out of the game against Burnley but if heads had been down and attitudes were different they wouldn't have fought back and got that point and I think that is testament to him isn't it the the mood in the camp and the attitudes have changed I shall see well we will see this weekend as well when United take on Leicester how long that can go that will be in a different podcast right now it's already magically the half time section of the podcast my favourite which means we've got a teaser mainly for Charlotte Dunk we've already had bets off air if she'll get right or wrong so therefore I'm because I don't condone betting I'm not going to answer the question no exactly Exactly. well you will answer the question but it will be nothing Samuel's going to answer the question okay well considering it's the transfer deadline day today we'll have all the roundup on transfers later the question here is who was the first January signing United ever made after the introduction of the January window in the 2002-2003 season we'll be back after the break and I expect answers right away Hello and welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast. Just before the break, we asked you who was the first January signing United ever made after the introduction of the January window in the 2002-2003 season. Ash, I got this right within 10 seconds once you asked me. So I'm expecting two correct guesses here. I'm phoning a friend and my friend is Samuel. (laughs) 
I'm not sure that's allowed. No, this is- I'm bringing the new rules into this podcast. Okay. Yeah, let's go. Saha. No. <laughs> is it not? <gasps> I don't know the answer. I'm told it's not. I can't believe (laughs) you've got one wrong. (laughs) The answer I was given and the answer I went with was Dong Fang Zhu. Oh, I don't know about is that. that. I, Are you I sure? That, that's definitely a contentious Is it going to have to go to Google? <laughs> it's got to go to VAR. Okay, let's go take it. Ash- Google was my source. Google was Ash's source producer. <laughs> Who was Manchester United's first January transfer signing? Well, it would be... So it would be the... It, it sounds was, like Ask Chiefs. It was only a few days between Sahar and Dong Okay, so we want to know who signed first Sahar so or who's Dong. On a technicality, it might be, it might be Dong Fang <laughs> Technicality. This could be, this could be historic. Signing date. I mean, this point doesn't make for a good podcast. Charlotte googling. Sorry. Carry on. Carry on with the chat, and then I might interject once I've got the answer. Well, nice enough. Speaking of China, Marin Fellaini's off there himself. Samuel, it's gonna be a teary-eyed farewell when he finally leaves. The uh, Chinese window's open for a, a few more weeks, I believe, isn't it? Or at least a few more days. So. Uh, I think until the 28th of February so they have they've got a while with it but I think because of the Chinese New Year uh, festivities they want to conclude it quite quite quickly because apparently that that does take people out of their um their working pattern yeah the uh, the farewell Flaney hashtag I'm sure will be trending on Friday <laughs> he he flew out um on, on Thursday morning so given the given just how long it takes to fly to China and the time difference it wouldn't be a surprise if it's formally announced on on Friday but he's he's completed a medical the deal's been agreed between the clubs uh, it's it's just subject to him agreeing personal terms but I think he's agreed personal terms so it's just a case of him going out there being paraded and that's that's him gone from United hashtag Fellaini Friday do you have any special memories of Fellaini? Uh, I'd say I'd say the, the his performance at Anfield in March, uh, March two thousand fifteen, yeah. that which is is the best performance United have had at Liverpool in the last twenty years, and he was excellent that day. Uh, he was very very good. Um, I, I think what's kind of forgotten with Fellaini was that when he came into that United squad, it was a very lightweight squad, and it did need beefing up. The problem, of course, was that they didn't sign anybody else, so he was easily scapegoated on the back of that. If he was you know, if he was supplemented by Fabregas or Thiago or, or both of them, which were the players that United were looking at that summer, then I think he would have been remembered more fondly. Uh, beyond that Liverpool game, I thought he was excellent in the Cup semi-final in 2016. He had a really, really good mm. game. Uh, not just the goal he scored, he, 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 there was a block I think he made at 1-1. I can't remember the Everton player, but it was a real brilliant piece of last ditch defending and he's been he's been a useful player for United I don't think anybody can knock his professionalism three goals in uh, semi-finals and three different competitions he started the FA Cup final and the Europa League final so given his given his ability and certainly he's not regarded as you know the kind of like your archetypal United player I think he's actually made a good fist of, of his time at the club and looking at the signings post Ferguson he for what he's given United he has to be regarded as, as one of the best which 
get that. It's cause for laughter yeah. and, and, and crying, I think. We'll have to get that soundbite clipped if we can, Ash, because that sounds fantastic. But yeah, it's true. I think he's always been someone who's sort of, he just epitomises the post-Ferguson years at United, which is always going to be a blotch on his notebook, really. Everyone's got to say, oh, he's because he thrived into three managers who didn't ever bring the league title to United. Maybe he'll summarise their spell at the club. Charlotte, yourself? Any Fellaini memories? Are you sad to see him go? Or do you think it's about time? Um... I think it's about time but I also think it's interesting now that they've done it in January rather than in the summer I think the offer still would have been there from China in the summer and if you look at the way Pereira played and who else have you got Fred the thing I thought it was that, that was interesting about Solskjaer's comments about Andres Pereira was Andres Pereira got a game because of the way he impresses in training if Andreas Pereira is impressing more than Fred in training and that, that's the sort of performance he puts in, what level of performance is Fred putting in at training? That's that's what would concern me about those comments. But So you've got Fred, Andreas Pereira, Scott McTominay. One of them's earning your contract, one of them's earning games and one of them can't even get in the squad. Well, yeah, and McTominay's back in the 23s. Andreas Pereira didn't perform well. You wouldn't want to put him in for the next Premier League game and Fred he's not trusted yet to go in the starting 11 so the concern is if you get if one of Herrera Pogba Matic gets injured before the end of the season James Garner's on the bench every week could be the making of him fair enough but I I can I can see why everyone's happy that Fellaini's left I don't think it's his fault that he epitomises a style of play that United fans don't want to see their team play in like Samuel says he has been useful but um, I think my abiding memory of Fellaini for personal reasons will be the time he gave away that penalty Everton. at uh, Everton <laughs> um, <laughs> so unfortunately it's gonna he's gonna sour sour memory for me I think that was only the, the second zero out of ten rating I gave which in fairness he was only on for ten minutes but it was it was, it was horrendous. Too. It was literally yeah. disastrous. Who got your other zero out of ten? Uh, that was Chris Smalling in the four 0 defeat at Chelsea, where he was literally culpable for, for all four <laughs> goals. Well, but the the mitigation with that, as he later came out and said, was that I think he was playing with a broken toe. So I felt a pang. Give him a one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pushed it up a bit. Up it up. <laughs> um, by the way, the quiz question. Um, uh, I don't know if we want you to were right. Yeah. Rich was right. Not sure I get a prize. It for was that. he signed on the twelfth and Sahar signed on the twenty third. There you go. Of I'll the same that. month. I'll tell mm. that's a victory. Not sure what's a victory <laughs> for, but. You've eaten Samuel at a quiz. I think that's quite a big moral victory to take. Maybe that's the headline for the podcast. Maybe, maybe Samuel I'm never gonna let him live this down. I'm happy to pass <laughs> the baton on to you. To oh, you can have it back, don't worry. <laughs> the relay race is, is run now. Um in terms of a transfer news as well, the big news that United fans have been waiting for that's Anthony Marshall has finally signed his new contract at the club um, and it's been a real whirlwind 12 months for him really at United the way he's transformed it he might not be one of the more consistent performers yet but he's got a huge cult following the fans love him and uh, he, cult it, indeed yeah <laughs> but it's good for United to uh, to have the asset uh, tied down for another five years as well He's he has the capabilities to become a world class player uh, in, in the summer United were vehemently against selling him. Uh, Mourinho was only open to selling him because Marshall did want to leave. I, I can imagine Marshall felt kind of marginalised just by Mourinho trying to sign even Perisic, trying to sign Willian. Uh, I think from United's perspective, I can completely understand why they were just not going to 
cash in on a player they invested up to 58 million pounds in who's only 23 and given the form he has showed in, in search of his United career and in fairness to Marshall uh, he, he was one of Mourinho's main whipping boys him and Luke Shaw but when the going got tough, uh, he really got going this season. He played, uh, I thought, certainly in that period between early October to uh, late late November, he was excellent. I think he, he's probably still a candidate to be the player of the year. He's, he's not been hitting the heights quite as much recently. Uh, but it was an interesting dynamic he had with Mourinho. Mourinho genuinely did sympathise when he first uh, took over at United, managing Marshall. Uh, Marshall was going through some domestic issues to put it mildly there was a kiss and tell done in by his former partner I think the opening weekend of that 2016-17 season and Mourinho was starting him at the start of that season but he felt that his focus was was impaired by what was going on at home and come the next summer Perisic was the one Mourinho really really wanted I think maybe more so than than Griezmann he got obviously got Matic Lukaku Lindelof but Perisic was one he felt could make a massive difference which is understandable because they had a target man they in Lukaku and they didn't have a natural winger Uh, the irony was United created quite a lot of goals from from crosses and Young came into the team and was doing well and Marshall was doing well with Rashford Uh, but then obviously Alexis Sanchez came in that put Marshall's nose out of joint but in fairness to Mourinho he was trying to accommodate both of them it was only when Marshall got injured that he he came out of the side but by that point I think bringing Sanchez in that that was just not going to go down well with him and uh, his agent made it quite clear in June that he wanted to leave but the problem they had Marshall's camp that is was that just as you saw in the summer so many clubs were reluctant to go with market inflation and that Tottenham were the, the one club who contacted Ed Woodward directly to ask about Marshall speaks volumes because he was never ever going to go there there's no way United were going to allow you know Tottenham to take one of their best players off them and that had a knock-on effect on the Toby Alderweireld side of things as well because Woodward didn't really want to get into that conversation and it's worked out for them in one respect because Marshall's been good this season uh, you'd certainly say he's, he's still very much a first teamer uh, you know even taking into account the whole central defensive thing you know they're going to look beyond Alderweireld in the summer that's pretty obvious now uh, but I think given the position United were in they've they've handled it pretty well and also just I, mean, I think everybody knew Mourinho was onto a losing battle at the start of the season when you've got Pogba who's 25 Marshall who was 22 turning 23 um they were long-term. Mourinho is a man who is synonymous mm-hmm. with short-term. Those two players were empowered by the Zidane speculation, uh, even the Pochettino speculation as well, given that he wanted Marshall in at Spurs. But Solskjaer's come in, and again, he's another player who, could, who you just... Sorry, not another player, another manager who you could just see hissing it off with Marshall and Pogba, and he has done. And certainly I mean he might not stay at United until 2024 but if they are to sell him they're going to get an awful lot of money for him yeah since his debut in September 2015 Marshall's been directly involved in more goals than any other Manchester United player uh Charlotte must be delighted to see him sign a new long-term deal at the club 
Yeah, I think it's good that they're giving these young players long deals and he's a sort of player, him, Pogba, that you want to build your team around. And if you've, we haven't seen it yet, but he's got the potential to become a world-class player. And I think it's another positive um, on for Solskjaer because today everyone's rejoicing the fact that he's got rid of Fellaini, the player who epitomises everything they don't want United to play like and Martial, who is everything they do want their team to play like. It's just, it's all carries on with a nice positive feel around the club at the minute yeah, sure I guess it, it's a positive as well for Marshall because there are no certainties about who the next permanent manager will be at United but the fact that United the board at least see that he's integral to whoever takes over it must be a, a real confidence boost for him yeah because Solskjaer said himself didn't he he's not he's not involved really been involved in any of the contracts because someone asked him about it the other day didn't he like who's going to be going out is anyone going to be going out on loan and he was like well I don't really have, I'm not having that much to do with it so although obviously Solskjaer's hit it off with Anthony Marshall you know that the decisions ultimately come from above his head and like you say those above there aren't going anywhere so yeah it's really positive news for him and Samuel, I guess the other question, this will be so quickly outdated, but do you expect any more transfer activity? It's what the fans all want to know, but just Joel Pereira, you know, the fourth choice goalkeeper going out on loan again. Um, I've, in fairness, I spoke to uh, Simon Peach of PA, who knows people at Fulham from when he was working in London, and he said that Fosu Mensa has had offers to, to go elsewhere on loans, just been knocking them back, which I don't think particularly reflects very well on him. Um, some of the things I've been told about Fosu Mensa don't reflect well on him either. It's it's a bit, it's a shame given how well he did when he first got into the United first team and yeah it would help if certain managers knew that he was a midfielder rather than a right back but uh, he's he's got far too comfortable and it's not even complacency it's just he's falling into the trappings of a lot of a lot of modern footballers um, I mean the, the point been made by, by Solskjaer earlier I mean you know he didn't have anything to do with McTominay's contract being signed off of course Marshall was in talks I think since August but an instance like with by selling Fellaini, um, Ashley Young is, is is someone who Solskjaer values an awful lot, and the feeling in his camp is he will sign a one-year contract as well. It, it does; these are indications that this guy might actually get the job permanently. I mean, he said last week he is planning for next season, regardless. And when uh, the, the reporter said, "Oh, so you are planning for next season?" He tried to kind of like be very modest yeah. about it. But it's very clear that he's he's trying to mould a squad that he will manage next season. And as, as I've said previously, I think however much United fans' opinion does hold sway, as, as it should do with, with Ed Woodward and the Glazers, I think what probably matters more to them is what the players think. And the players think Solskjaer's yeah. top class with them. That could change. I mean, they could go on an awful run between now and the end of the season and they might decide, right, we, we need Pochettino in. But if... It carries on like this between now and and the end of the end of the season. The players still feel the same way about Solskjaer, who's in the process been planning for the next season. It, it seems logical uh, to to go in his direction rather than just you know rip it up and start all over again. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess if you were to take it from December to maybe May, he's only just over one fifth of the way through his his spell at United so yeah. like you said maybe easy to get carried away right now but I guess finally Charlotte how it stands right now do you think Solskjaer is, is the man 
in control of his own destiny to get the United job on a permanent basis. Yeah, if he carries on the way that he's going, then it's going to be hard for them to argue to bring in anyone else. But like you say, there's a very long way to go till the end of the season. There is a long way to go to the season. We will see how it uh, all pans out this weekend as well against Leicester. And I've just been passed a note by the producer who says we're doing a part two tomorrow to reflect on transfer deadline day. Not sure what we'll have to bring you there. And look ahead to that game against Leicester. So if you aren't subscribed already, please make sure you do and join us again on Friday when we're back once again Samuel Charlotte thank you very much for joining us today thank you, thank again. you. oh it wasn't quite in sync that time was it no it wasn't quite we'll in sync ladies first yeah <laughs> oh well I won the quiz that's all that matters thank you very much for joining us on the Manchester is Red podcast please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already and remember you can tweet in your questions to any of us and we will get them on net on tomorrow's show <laughs> <laughs>